Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This week on Catch It Shoot 2.0, we're getting close to the end of the regular season, and that means the start of the NBA playoffs. One team, though, is quietly going about their business, and that's the L.A. Clippers. We'll be checking in with someone who follows Kawhi, PG-13, and company. But first, Darlene, let's get to it. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Catch and Shoot 2.0 goes well with both red and white and is perfect with the workout of your choice. Our hosts are Aaron Berlin, a former Kansas Jayhawk who believes the Orlando Magic will win the championship. Eventually. (laughs) His partner is Otto Strong, a man who has covered the NBA since before Dennis Rodman got his first tattoo. Fellas. And welcome to Catch and Shoot 2.0. I am Aaron Berlin, along with my partner. He is the one and only. His name is Otto Strong. Otto, what's going on, my man? Uh, it's all good. It's all good. I'm getting excited. We're only, you know, down to inside of 10 games. It feels like we actually have some, some, like, stuff's getting serious. It's, it's weird. It's May, and the NBA playoffs have not begun yet. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm, it's weird. I, I, yeah, the calendar thing is always going to be vexing for me while, while we're while we're in this stage. But you know, it, it, it like it it is what it is. What um, what do you like? What are you? What is on the tip of your tongue? What are you thinking about at this at this point? This juncture. So the the thing that I think we're all trying to figure out is, and I, I'll I'll say this, and I'm I'm a hundred percent sure about this. Comparing LeBron James' comments about the playing game to the rhetoric he said last year in regards to the Blazers, the Grizzlies, and all those other teams that were battling for a playoff spot and saying just let them all play is not fair to LeBron James, right? Right. Like those two things are completely different scenarios than what he's going through right now. But at the same time, LeBron, be better than the seven seed. Like that's, that's all there is to it, right? You are the NBA champion. Don't complain about being in a play-in game. It's not like, we, we can talk about this. What are your thoughts on this? Well, look, it's, it's not like you woke up one day and you said, oh, there's a play-in game? Like, like this, is, this, is, this, is what it, this is what it is. This is what it, you know, this is the way they drew it up. So uh, I, I get that some people don't like it, but uh, I, I will say this. For the fans, I think, I, you know, provided that no one gets hurt, which is always the, the caveat on everything, I guess you could, you could always say, uh, but provided no one gets hurt, I, I, you know, it, it's going to add a tremendous amount of drama, um, not just you know, because, you know, are you seven, are you 10, depending on what, what, who you're rooting for, where your allegiance is, are, are you a six and you, and you escape having to get, you know, go through the playing games. I mean, there's going to be basically elimination games, you know, every night, uh, basically starting now. Um, you know, going for the next, you know, two weeks, which is basically what I imagine the NBA would want for obvious reasons. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look at this. If you're looking at just the Eastern Conference today, Mm -hmm. there's Mm -hmm. only two teams eliminated. 
one, the Orlando Magic, who, you know, if it's not for Cole Anthony, like, who's following that team right now? Right. And the, Det- and the Detroit Pistons. But as far as 7, 8, 9, and 10 goes, you have a lot of intrigue. The Celtics, the Hornets, the Pacers, the Wizards, and then the Heat are kind of there as well. So, like, these teams who are perfect example, right? Like, n- not to just get sidetracked, but we're going to talk to Law Murray, who covers the Clippers for the athletics today. And full disclosure, we've already taped this interview, but there's a part in this interview where he's talking about, well, the Clippers know what they're going to be, right? They're going to be four or five. So it is what it is for them. Like they, they have a general idea of where they're going to be seated. These teams five through 10 don't know, like these final games matter for them. And I think that's what the NBA has been trying to get at to where they can have a larger pool of participants of teams that still have a chance to play meaningful games at the end of the calendar. Well, yeah. So, so one quick thing: the Clippers are actually either a three or a four. That's that's you know where, where they're where they're uh, going to be going to wind up. But but to your point, you know, in the East, I'm looking at you know for for all those long suffering Knicks fans, the fact that they could even be a four seed and have home court, but you know on their heels, Atlanta and Miami, you know, just a game and a half back, and and the Celtics at two and a half back. So there is certainly you know high drama up and down the standings, and even at the at the at the tippy top, you know, in the East. Got the Sixers and the Nets, so, you know, so separated by, by a half a game. And in the in the West, the Suns and Jazz are basically, you know, going mano a mano. So, look, I think it's going to create a lot of excitement. I get it that some players don't don't like it or run down with it, but you know, this is always this was always a fans league, and <laughs> and here we here we go. Here's but, uh, here's here's my question for you. Yeah, would the players be more on board with it if this happened in a year that was not a shortened off season? Like if they had a normal off season of five or six months. I'm going to say most players, I'm going to say no. And the reason why I don't think their tune would change is because, you know, as well as I do, there's a certain something in, in you know, your normal year when April 1st is the two week countdown to the end of the play to the end of the regular season and the playoffs begin in the middle, middle of April. So I, I think that, Players, you know, they've, they've played, it's been a long season, you know, starting back in October on, on normal time, normal schedule, and they go all the way through. And so April is in, in their mind, that's their time to rest and recoup. And maybe you're not doing back-to-backs if you're in the top three, top four, top five. Look, you could, you could be a sixth seed and be relatively secure that you're going to make the playoffs and, you know, enter a certain kind of mode, shall we say. Can't do that now. Can't do that. Like who, if you, no one really wants to be in a playing game. Like, you know, like even if I'm the defending champ, LA Lakers, do I really want to put my whole season, my whole playoffs on the line in a single game against a team that has perhaps absolutely nothing to, to lose? Like, no, I, I don't want to do that. So to answer your question, no, I don't, I don't think that their tune would change if they had, if they were coming off a full season of regular rest. And don't forget, Otto, they're playing 10 less games than they typically do. So like you have to make some kind of an adjustment for, you know, a team that may have went on a run in the last 10 games of the year because they're not getting those contests, right? Like I get that it's a shortened season. It's a condensed time frame, but you're also playing less games. So you need some kind of barrier to, you know, juggle it out for these bottom teams. Yeah. I mean, look, look I, I, I get that. But at the same time, there's also there's, the reason why there are fewer games is because there's much less rest <laughs> between the end of the, of the, you know, the, between the, the finals, 
of what you know the last season I'll, I'll call it um which obviously LeBron played in all the way to the end so I I, I get why he's gonna be you know a feel feeling a certain kind of way um where do you think the Lakers are gonna wind up in, in, ter- in terms of just in terms of the of the one through eight where do, where do you think I mean forgetting how they'll do in the postseason you think they'll actually have to play in a playing game I, I don't but I, I'm worried about them yeah. and the the reason is is we we talk a lot about playoff you're only as good as who's available right like like the most important thing for any player is your availability like if you're not available you can't help your team and so i'm worried that look lebron's missed a significant amount of time he came back mm-hmm. he's not playing tonight we're recording this on a monday so it's it's time to start being concerned about that these injuries that LeBron is accruing are starting to affect him in a way that I don't think we've ever seen before, right? Like LeBron missed what he's he sat out like the final 20, 30 games two years ago. It was when that Lakers team wasn't going anywhere. They weren't mm-hmm. making the playoffs. He was fully healthy last year in the bubble. This is a player and this is someone who's defied father time, unlike anyone that we've ever seen. But I'm worried that the injuries are starting to catch up. And if you're a Lakers fan, and if you're a member of that Lakers front office, I, I think you're a little concerned that these are starting. Now, it could also be that the Lakers brass is not concerned about where this team's going. They know they're going to make the playoffs, and they're trying to get LeBron as much rest as possible because it's the same thing like you just said. It's a condensed season. He doesn't need to be playing all these games. So if we can rest him a game or two where it's beneficial for him to make sure that he's available in the playoffs, then we're going to do it. But, but the way this team has slid, I'm concerned. Oh, I'm, I'm, look, I'm definitely concerned too. I mean, like, so, like, if you're, if you're the Lakers, the worst case scenario, I mean, look, the worst case scenario is guess you lose all the rest of your games. But, you know, let's be realistic here. So, you know, they wind up a seven seed and they have to go through the playing game. All right. So, they, you know, if, if the standings are the way they are, are right now, the, they would – host the Grizzlies and then if they if they how happen to lose that game at home then they would face the winner of the Warriors and Spurs for the for the eighth spot like if you can't go you know win one of those two games then you got no business being in the playoffs and I and I get why you know LeBron and others would probably say well look you know we've we've got a whole body of work here you know we would any other year we would have been the seventh seed and you know let the chips fall fall where they may in the in the postseason in the in the regular postseason but look that's that's the Lakers. That's their story. Like, so here's, there's another guy in the West that I'm also a little bit concerned about. <laughs> and he's much younger, has a lot less miles, but, and he's also a hell of a player. And that is, of course, Luka Doncic of the Dallas Mavericks. You know, he's got 15, carrying t- 15 technical fouls. Um, this, this is a guy, like, I, I think the Mavs are fine. I think they're going to make the, the postseason. They're in the five spot right now. They're tied uh, with, with, uh, with Portland and with the Lakers, but they really have an easy schedule. They've got, I think Cleveland twice, and they've got a couple of other winnable games at the ver- at the end of the season. But still, um, Luca is the kind of guy who can lose it in a in an instant over something that's like kind of silly and ticky tacky. And they just are not a team that can afford to have him out for for any for any amount of time. So, I, I, I that, does it does it does the Luca technical foul thing get you a, a certain kind of way? Oh, absolutely. It it concerns me if I'm a Mavericks fan and. You know, the, the first thing when we saw this story and we saw that he, if he gets another one, he's going to have to sit and serve a one-game suspension. 
the first thing that came into my mind was, you know, we've had two of your fellow colleagues at the Fort Worth Star Telegram on, and they've both said the same thing. The biggest concern with Luka Doncic is his immaturity in situations where people get under his skin and they ruffle his feathers, right? Like they say that he has a tendency to show his age, which, you know, for someone who's played professional basketball at some level since he was 16 years old, it's kind of a surprise because at some point you just play enough games where it's like, whatever, I've done this before. I've been here. Um, and playoff basketball, and we've spoke about this numerous times, playoff basketball, especially in games three, four, and five, gets really intense. And it's not just because the stakes are higher. It's because by the time you get to that point, not only have you played, what, if it's, if it's a divisional opponent, you've played four or five games against them already through the year. If it's just a conference opponent, um, you've played them multiple times already as well so they know you they know your sets they know what defense you're running they know what bothers you and if i'm a playoff team and say i'm the clippers and i'm going up against luca in the first round i know how to piss him off right i know how to ruffle his feathers and by three or four by games three or four i'm already planting the seeds to get those technical fouls because i know i can get to him and so if i'm a mavs fan I'm incredibly concerned about that because he can say that, Hey, it's just a regular season thing. I'm going to keep my emotions in check. It's not going to bother me. Oh, come on, man. If his team's facing elimination and you know, maybe like Kawhi says something in passing that he knows is just going to be that final little thing that presses his button. You know, that's a veteran move by Kawhi. Well, it's a veteran move, but the guy who that really scares me as as a as a Mavs fan would be Patrick Beverly. <laughs> nobody, <laughs> nobody gets under guy's skin more than Patrick Beverly. That's it. so. Uh, but, all right, you want to go ahead and talk some Clippers basketball with someone uh, who knows a lot more about the Clips than we do? Absolutely. Let's do it. Hey, today we are pleased to have with us Law Murray, who covers the Los Angeles Clippers for The Athletic. Law, how you doing? I feel great. Good to see you guys here this afternoon. Cool, cool. Um, so a little history. So we go back a little bit. Uh, we, our, our paths overlapped at ESPN, and, and now obviously we're both in different places. I'm happy to see you uh, over at The Athletic and doing with the Clippers now for, I guess, what, since you said the start of the year? Yeah, since January. Uh, really Really thrilled to have been at ESPN and really, really just blessed to be at the Athletic right now. Cool. So now you're now you're over there and you're covering a team that, uh, I mean, like Aaron and I have talked about the Clippers and whether we're believers or not. But I mean, if you're just going to look at the recent body of work, they had won ten of, I'm um, sorry, eleven of twelve. How, however, they've dropped the last few games, and so I'm wondering, what Clippers team are we getting? Well, you're probably going to get a Clippers team that's closer to the one that was reeling off those wins in a 20-day span where they didn't have back-to-back -back days off. It's crazy that they finally get two days off, and then they went into New Orleans. They get smacked. They get a day off. They went into Phoenix. A lot on the line as far as standings, and they didn't come out ready to play that game. Uh, but the vibes were good because Patrick Beverly came back in at, or – he came back to join the team on the road trip at the end of the road trip, not back in the lineup just yet, even though he's close. And then they get two more days off. They come home. Kawhi Leonard's back in the lineup. 
but they lose to the Nuggets, which is the same thing that happened to begin the month of April. So it's like they had their worst week of the season as far as losses, but they had to feel good about a lot of things in terms of getting rest, uh, feeling together, getting guys back. You know you're getting guys back, and you'd rather have these issues now than three weeks from now, obviously, when the playoffs start. So it's part of the process, but they do need to, you know, get back to the rhythm that they were in before the time off. I was going to say, Law, that it's it's an interesting thing because this Clippers team right now is fourth in the Western Conference. And I thought you pretty much said it without saying it. This team doesn't necessarily care about what the seating is right now. It's more important that they get everybody back and get them healthy, right? Right. They they were the two seat last year, highest seat that they've ever had in their franchise history. They won the season series, the regular season series against the Nuggets two to one. What did that do for them when the playoffs started? So in, in a season where you look at who's won, Phoenix. Phoenix didn't even make the playoffs last year. You know who was the one seat last year? The Lakers. The year before, the Lakers didn't make the playoffs last that the, the year before they got the one seed. So when it comes down to it, Getting the regular season goals is different from everybody. The postseason goals are the same for everybody. So you have to take that context when you're entering the silly season of a third of the league already having their spot locked up, another third of the league, especially this year, in the bubble, right? The bubble of will you make it, will you not, will you be in the plan, will you not? And then the other third of the league, which is they're not going to be in the playoffs anyway. So uh, let's talk about the one guy on the Clippers that really kind of uh, just this kind of astounds me and confounds me all at the same time, Paul George. So, I mean, he's, he's a guy who, like, I, I just feel like, you know, just looking at some of the stats, uh, you know, what, uh, 31 points, seven and a half boards, five assists. Uh, this is, you know, during, during that stretch when they had won 11 out of 12. Uh, as we all know, kind of he wasn't, he wasn't that guy in the postseason. So where is he, where is he now with his – either development or outlook or yeah, what, what, what's the state of mind? This, his state of mind is way better now than it w- will ever be from the, the bubble in the playoffs simply because they're not in the bubble. They're not in that isolating environment where some guys handled it really well, some teams handled it really well, and it was very clear that the Clippers as a team and Paul George as an individual did not. And he's got the right people around him. This is a really good team, a team that – kind of internalized what happened early and kind of was like, let's move by it. But also you move by the past, but when you're dealing with the present and the future, you have to be active with that kind of accountability, that kind of support for a teammate. And they've been actively supporting Paul when he's done well. They've actively supported him when he's had his poor games or his poor stretches uh, when he was dealing with the toe injury that hampered him uh, in February and interrupted his season a little bit uh, going into the month of April. Paul's done a great job of being more mentally tough this year. I think the toe injury, which I was worried about when April started, has actually helped him lock in and understand what he needs to do to draw fouls, to finish through contact, to still find his shots, to still play his game, to still be effective when his shot isn't falling in terms of leading, being consistent, defending and being on the floor with the second unit and playing without Kawhi Leonard. That's a lot, but that's what we're dealing with. This is, this is a simple game sometimes, and it's a complicated game. So I'm very much looking forward to Paul George and what he has for the playoffs, but the key is he's not doing it by himself. And 
it's going to be critical for him to just stay in a rhythm and to stay consistent when the playoffs do get here. Yeah, and it seems like injuries have really been a theme of this team all throughout the course of the season. You mentioned it, Kawhi Leonard at what? misses nine of his last 10 games he comes back Saturday how hard has that been for this Clippers team to find some kind of a rhythm to get some of these guys on the floor at the same time and is that the only thing that really Ty Lue is focusing on as the season comes to his close is just trying to get these guys some kind of a run together I think Saturday night made it very clear that it's not just about getting guys healthy and available and on the floor. I mean, sometimes you can get a big lift out of that. I think the big lift from Kawhi coming back to play that outlier game, that that 10th game was the Timberwolves game. He comes back, they blow the Timberwolves out, but then Kawhi goes back out for the rest of the month. Like, that's a lift, right? Uh, Saturday night when he came back against the Nuggets, it was, okay, he's back, but here are the complications with that. Guys who are used to playing a certain kind of role, a certain amount of minutes, being on a certain spot, they haven't been in that place. And playing the Timberwolves and playing the Nuggets are two very different scenarios. Like the Nuggets are a team that plays slow. Obviously, they have the, the MVP, Nikola Jokic, and what he does on both ends of the floor. I think his offense is obvious, but what Nicola's presence does defensively is you're always going to, the Nuggets are big, you know, uh, they're actually a really bad team defending in the paint, but for whatever reason against a Clippers team that does not get a lot of shots in the paint to begin with, that doesn't draw a lot of fouls. Uh, they have a hard time taking advantage of uh, whatever drawbacks the Denver defense has. And so it was a weird game Saturday night, but the good thing is it happened, it's over, and you have a foundation to build off of. They didn't have that foundation to build off of as far as Kawhi coming back last month because he didn't stay back. He had to go back out. So now the goal for Ty is everyone's coming back. Patrick Beverly, he should be back this week, maybe as soon as Tuesday night against the Raptors. And the goal is figure out who can play with who, who should not be playing with who. This is your run. You figure that out now so when the playoffs start – you're minimizing your – you're basically increasing your efficiency. You're minimizing your bad lineups, your chances of throwing guys out there who shouldn't be out there. So to that end, who shouldn't be playing with who? Well, Patrick Patterson has been really good, but it sounds like Ty is going to have to make a decision about Pat or DeMarcus Cousins until Serge Ibaka can come back. Ideally, neither one of those guys, uh, former Kentucky Wildcats, are playing. Uh, Ty alluded to Terrence Mann and how well he's been playing uh, for the course of the season. He's a great story as a second round, a late second round rookie playing incredibly in terms of his shot development, his ability to play multiple positions. And he hasn't been at his best. Uh, so he's probably on the edge of the rotation. He's probably not going to play as much. Some guys who need to play more together are Rajon Rondo and Reggie Jackson. That's an example of Reggie's stretched as a starting point guard, but what they want to do with Reggie is have him be the scorer off the bench. Saturday night was an example of too many guys who didn't want to shoot. Nicholas Batum playing great, but was didn't, didn't score, didn't scratch. He needs to be in a position where he's more aggressive. And Reggie, if he's on the second unit, he doesn't have to worry about being any bit of a table setter the point guards would be Pat Beverly to start games or John Rondo in relief of him and the closed games. So it's more about who needs to be with who and not necessarily who shouldn't be playing together, so to speak. You know, a lot of the thing I keep coming back to is this Clippers team last year, you know, they, they kind of 
got rid of Doc Rivers as a way to cleanse the palate of what this team could do. Ty Law comes or Ty Lue comes in, successful season, they're fourth in the conference. What has been the difference been? What kind of difference has he made from a coaching standpoint this year uh, that you've been able to see in your short time covering the team? Well, D- Doc was Doc was incredible as far as a person to come in and not just coach a team, but to lead a team, to be someone who was going to basically be almost like a face of the team along with the star players, had that a culture of accountability. And at the end, you know, seven years is a long time for a head coach, especially when you're going through two massively different rosters, which Doc kind of oversaw. And there weren't a lot of options when the Nuggets came back from a 3-1 deficit to win that series against the Clippers. And so Ty Lue, you know, he's a disciple of Doc. He was with Doc for that first year where he was an assistant. And obviously this past year where they had to go through the bubble, two very different and challenging experiences. When you talk about the ownership change and everything that went down that first year in 13, 14, and then last year, everything that went down with the hiatus of the season. So Ty has really just been an evolvement, if you will, of the same principles that Doc had as far as culture, but he's been more effective because he's able to reach his these players in a different way than Doc could have. Doc was really in place to coach the Pat Beverly, Lou Williams, Montrez, Harold Clippers. Ty is in a better position to coach the Paul George, Kawhi Leonard Clippers. You know, that, that's, that's, so that's interesting because this year has been a year unlike any other, right? Like, Teams have had to really keep a tight circle when they travel due to, because when the season started, the vaccine wasn't available, right? Like we were playing in empty arenas. We were playing in areas where there wasn't a lot of outside attention. Do you think that helped Ty connect with this team a little bit faster than maybe a first year head coach could at the team? I'm not sure I can say that because this season has been really challenging for everybody. It's been really challenging for the Clippers. Uh, We alluded to it earlier, all the, ins and outs as far as the lineup they didn't make a single transaction until the week of the deadline but when you got prominent players in and out of the lineup when you got a guy who you relied on and Marcus Morris senior not ready to start the season until two weeks in and you are relying on guys who you had no idea would be contributing Nicholas Batum when he was signed the thought wasn't that he was going to start every game before the all-star break you know Terrence Mann, when this season started, he was supposed to be the 12th man, not someone who was going to overtake Luke Kennard in the rotation. Uh, Reggie Jackson was not promised to play, and now he's been a guy who's had to start almost every game after the All-Star break. I think that's been challenging. For, for Ty, though, I think it's just as a credit to what kind of person he is and what kind of coach and leader and preparer of basketball that he is. Like, he's, he knows what he wanted to do, but it doesn't matter what you know sometimes uh, if you can't reach the guys who need to execute. And I think Ty's been in a unique position. He's handled it really well. He's been incredibly poised, and he's going to need every bit of that because the second season is what – really matters for this team. And I think we learned one thing in Cleveland, whatever you thought of those Cavs teams, especially at the end of the years, he has another gear. As a coach, he has another gear. And I think we're going to – I think I'm really excited to see if that carries over to the Western Conference. Definitely want to see that that second season, as you say. Now they got seven – I'm looking at the schedule now. They got seven games. And I only bring this up because 
and I, and I know you said that it, look, they they're gonna make the postseason. They're they're gonna you know have a have a good season. They clinch. They have to be in it. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. They're, they're, they're there. They're there. We know they're there. But in terms of where they want to be, seating wise, in terms of who they want to play, where where do you where do you see them? Where do you see them falling? I mean, they don't have a much of a choice. They're locked in at three or four because they had such a bad week last week. Uh, they can't get to one. Um, one was an outside possibility if they swept last week. They didn't do that. Two was a really they, – they, you know, it was the good side of a coin flip if they won in Phoenix. They didn't do that. And it wasn't even as much about the Suns. It's just the Suns are playing so well and the Clippers needed – they didn't have a margin of error to start with. And then they lose to the Nuggets. So they're, that's opened up the fact that they're in four now. Uh, they're locked into three or four. They don't have the tiebreaker against the Nuggets. So the Nuggets would have to fall off. And they've won nine out of ten without Jamal Murray. Shout out to the Nuggets, for real, for mm-hmm. real. Uh, that means that they're locked into playing who? The five or six seed. And you have three teams that are basically in the mix for that five or six seed. And that's the Mavericks, the team that they played last year but struggled against this year. Uh, and the Lakers, the defending champion, uh, that's another quagmire. And then you've got the Trailblazers, who the Clippers swept the Trailblazers in, during this regular season series. But as Paul George will be the first to tell you this year, he'll be the first to tell you the, what you see in the playoffs from the Blazers isn't necessarily what you're seeing right now in the regular season from them. So as far as preferences go, it last week kind of cleared things up. You don't have that much far up to go, and you're not going to drop that far down. And there's not many more teams in the conversation. It is not much of an option. You're going to probably face one of those three teams, and they're all going to present unique challenges in the first round. Hey, as someone who's wearing a Blazers shirt right now, give me playoff game all day long, man. G- give me that. Uh, maybe not you're saying necessarily that, against. Yeah, the I know you're saying that now. <laughs> four, okay, four straight but, but, wins oh, oh, okay, yeah you but, gonna but, say that now but, but, but here's here's the thing say the clippers draw the lakers in the first round is that almost a disappointment to the clippers because they've had such a good year and despite everything that's gone on with this lakers team if they draw the lakers in the first round it, would they be disappointed in that they shouldn't be because for two reasons number one the goal is to win a championship how do you win a championship by beating three teams in your conference first end their seasons and then end the season of the team that comes out the opposite conference? You're going to have to play the best teams anyway. Exactly. So what you worried about? What, what are you disappointed about? That's number one. That's a vacuum. That's that you could have threw any team in the league out. And I would have said that, but now let's be specific for reason. Number two, the Clippers are pretty damn good against the Lakers. They beat them this year after they got to watch them raise a banner with their best players available. And then, you know, Lakers fans were on a high when they went to Brooklyn and beat a Nets team that didn't have James but did have Kyrie for half of that game and had Kevin Durant. But they faced the Clippers the week before on Easter, and they were held to a season-low 86 points by a Clippers Clippers team that, you know, they were missing two starters as well in Beverly and Ibaka. I mean, the Clippers, they – they shouldn't be worried about the Lakers, to be honest with you. It's disappointing if you lose to anybody in the first round. It might be disappointing to beat the Lakers in the first round because everyone's going to think that that's a big deal when it's not. It wouldn't even guarantee you the thing that everyone keeps saying that you haven't done yet, which is make the conference finals. So if anything is disappointing, it's that a win over the Lakers in the playoffs doesn't only means you've only beaten one opponent. So – 
you know, it will be that that's the only disappointment. The Clippers need to worry about themselves, uh, just like the Lakers need to worry about themselves. You know, everyone was like, oh, we'd love to see the Clippers in the you sure about that right now? The Lakers, they might be in the play in for all we know. Yeah, I mean, that, that, look, that's that's the thing. Like I, like I said earlier, I, I, I see the stats. I see the standings. I see how they're doing. I see, the, you know, the, the, the depth that they have, that how they're coached. I, like, on paper, you want to say, yeah, they're going to they're gonna make it. They're going to be fine. But, like, just to actually say, no, they're going to take out the Los Angeles Lakers. It, and I, I get it. For all the reasons, the injuries, the, the, the mileage on LeBron, they're, they're, not, they, you know, they're clearly not as deep as the Clippers are. But, you know, like, until it happens, I just find myself, like, Nah, <laughs> you know, you know that, that's, yeah. that's just where I was struggling with it. I'd be with, hey, Otto, I would be right there with you. Uh, in a playoff series, do you want to deal with any version of LeBron James? Probably not, yeah. you know? And the way, again, I, I talked about the Clippers and the Nuggets, right? And I discussed that the Clippers don't draw fouls. They don't get to the free throw line at a high rate. The Lakers, when they're at their best offensively, which they absolutely are not right now, mm-hmm. But when they're at their best offensively, the referees give them hella respect. And I'm not saying this as shade as, as I'm not saying this as someone who, you know, looks at who's refereeing a game beforehand and already is thinking of all the reasons why I got to complain while a certain team didn't win a game because of some cause. It's like, no, they do one of the best jobs in the league of defending without fouling. LeBron James when Anthony Davis, when they play, they do a great job of defending without fouling. Those guys are almost never in foul trouble. That's going to affect your scoring margin because we're talking about free throws, a big part of the difference because LeBron draws fouls when he's healthy. Anthony Davis draws fouls when you're healthy. You're losing that battle. How do the Clippers make up for that? Shooting the three, you know? And then that even sings out. You don't want to go into a playoff series where it's like, man, we're going to lose free throws every single game when we got to rely on hitting threes to make up for that. Um, in a vacuum, that's where you're at. In this situation, hey, whatever. <laughs> like someone's going to have to lose that series. Yeah, yeah. All right, so I'm going to ask you a couple of things. One, where do you think they're going to actually wind up? And then two, I want you to talk about the arena uh, for a little bit, you know, whatever, whatever update you may have, because, you know, a lot of folks out there may not know about what's going on. Well, in, in terms of where the Clippers end up, you mean, like, overall? Like po- po- when- postseason. Postseason. How, what, what round are they playing in? What are they doing? Are they, are they, are they champagne or they're like, are they? <laughs> I mean, look, I'm the type that, Unlike some people, uh, when I say something at the beginning of the season, I stick through it until the end. And I didn't think the Clippers would actually get out the first round because I thought they would face the Nuggets in the first round, and I thought that was a bad matchup. So I'm actually going to stick with that. Like, I, I, you know, I'm I'm prepared for the Clippers not to get out the first round. Um, Like, we'll see how it happens. I think the matchups will dictate a lot. But um, that's, yeah, I'm not really expecting anything – anything crazy there uh that would be crazy in itself to a lot of people but that's kind of where i've been at um and we'll see what happens from there the arena that's a that's a much different question mm-hmm. uh all i know is that it, it'll be open in inglewood in a few years and the last thing i really heard was a couple months ago when steve Ballmer, uh he was part of like a msnbc conference something like that and talking about uh, cryptocurrency and how that might be a part of how they get fans like engaged fans in the building like maybe that will be what they take and yeah the future is a weird place and I'm, and we're not there yet but we'll get there 
the future is all the, the future is all digital, man. Uh, well, I I have to ask you because you're a Philadelphia guy, and Otto and I have had this back and forth on this show many times. I'm a believer in the Sixers, man. Like I think that they are still one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, regardless of what their playoff history has been and what that franchise's history has been the last few years. Do you think that this is finally the year that they bust through the East? Uh, no. Simply, 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 simply put, you know, it's, it's weird, man. They're, they're like sisters, sister teams, even before doc left the Clippers to Mm -hmm. go to, to Philly, um, in a lot of ways. I mean, they're really good. Doc's been great. Joel has been great. Um, Ben, people don't appreciate that dude unless he's not playing. I think that tip in against the Spurs was the most typical Ben Simmons play of his career to this point, you know, um, my question with them is almost similar to the Clippers. Like, uh, do they will will they have enough time to shore up the rotation questions, and will they draw the kind of matchup in the first round where they're going to be in a good spot? And those are very, those are open open questions. And hey, a month from now, we'll know the answers to them. Absolutely, we're gonna have to have you back during the playoffs, man. All right, but before the but before we get there, what's your NBA Finals matchup? What is it? Miami, Miami finals matchup is the same one. It was, I'm look, man, I'm consistent. <laughs> it's the same. It, you I don't, don't look, you don't waver. Hey man, I, I'm a, I'm a different kind of weather, man. You know, if I say it's going to rain Saturday, <laughs> I, I'm it, it's going to rain until it doesn't rain. So, you know, I still had Lakers over nets. Uh, that's what I had in December. Uh, that's what I'm going to still have when the Lakers are eliminated, when the nets are eliminated, y'all can hit me. I'm accountable. Awesome. Awesome. We appreciate it, man. Thank you for taking the time and joining us. Hey, thank you so much for having me. That was dope. Look, I, I, I got to admire him. I admire Law for sticking with his prediction and not and not jumping and jumping, jumping on and saying the Clippers are going to do whatnot. I, don't yeah. you? Oh, oh, absolutely. We've talked about this numerous times on this show. If a team has six good games, I'm riding that bandwagon. <laughs> but like to, to to not only that, to stick with them. And, you know, like everyone's worried about the Lakers. And we talked about them at the front end. Everyone, you know, and mm-hmm. we we said it months ago, you know, like when the Nets had their first two games sold on them right yep. away, right? Yep. yep. Man, that that's a ballsy move to not alter your pit. Or your predict or your predictions at all? See, I, mean, I would, I would have, I would have said, look, okay, what you what you said at the time, we got that, but I, I'd be willing to say, okay, you know, re up because things change, you know. In a, I mean, Jamal Murray being out for the rest of the year, I mean, that that's got to change your mind on some things. It's going to yeah, it, it, change it, my it al- mind. It alters the calculus completely. But I, I will say this: they one hundred percent do not want to play the Lakers in the first round. Oh, hell no. But like, oh. it, regardless of who you have to go through um, in the first, second, or in the finals, like, you still want some time to build up to that big matchup with the Lakers, right? Like, if you have to play the Lakers right out of the gate and you're still trying to figure out your rotations and who's healthy and who runs well together, then guess what? Even if the Lakers are in that sixth seed, they know what works for them. And that's still an advantageous spot for them. Well, let, let's flip it around. I mean, the Lakers, if, you, if, if the Lakers are going to be picked off at any point, you might say, I mean, aside from being getting picked off in a playing game, which is a whole other story, but if they're going to get picked off in, in, at some point, you'd probably say the first round is where they're most, going to be most vulnerable. I, yeah, I because think. they're still going to be trying to work their guys back. In. Look, it's the same right. situation that the Clippers are going through, right? 
It, yeah, I guess it, it, it I, I guess it is. It just feels, it just feels like once the Lakers get to a certain point, and I think that point is like seven to 10 games of, of playoff basketball, it's going to be a different squad than the one that's, you know, that they're throwing out there now. And, and, and once that happens, like it's no longer like, you know, what, what we would, what we would have called in a previous season, late April, the late April squad. Now you're going to get like the, the late May squad or the June squad. And you don't want to see that squad. No. And, and, and to be honest, like if I'm the Clippers, I, regardless of where LeBron James is in this stage of his career and right, like, mid thirties, he's defied father time for a long time and injuries have not really plagued him up until the last few years. Yeah. It feels like it's catching up to him. Doesn't it? feels like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you do wonder big like, injury two years ago, relatively healthy in the playoffs last yeah, year. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's coming and I hate yeah. it. Yeah. No, you know, de- definitely do. And you do feel like that on some level, like, you know, we've, we've talked before about whether the, um, whether the altered season, the, you know, the, the short rest and then the, the early start and the, the number of games and now the plan and whether all of that is kind of baked into something that is coming out, you know, producing a rather ugly cake. And, and I kind of feel like maybe with him because of what level he plays at and how hard he goes and, and how, he, how much he's needed to be their engine, you know, maybe with him that I'll give that theory a little bit more deference than say like a Steph Curry. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I just, I'm still not gonna be a believer until, like, just, just like Law says, I, it, until it rains, like, you know, like, I'm gonna be like, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing it. I just, uh, but look, I, I will say this: I think that they'll probably wind up. Clippers probably wind up going against the Mavs because I mean, the Mavs to me have the easiest schedule down the road, and, uh, and because of that. I think that they'll, they'll, you know, probably inch into that and wind up holding on to the five slot. That's what I, yeah, that's what I see. And so, and so what I think is, you know, the Clippers are going to be taking on Mavs and Luka again, and it'll just be one of those things where the Clippers probably, you know, win in six, or if KP can give them more, maybe they win in seven. But, you know, I mean, I mean, either way, I think the Clippers will walk out of that series. Yeah. And, and we touched on Luka at the front end of this show. Emotionally, do you feel like he's ready to win a series? Especially a series against two veterans like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, and Serge Ibaka, who's been there too, right? If Serge yeah, is healthy. yeah. Look, I, I just, you know, I mean, I've, I've said this before, and I, I feel like, I feel like this. It just, he, he is who he is, and you, you, you can, you can make somebody more mature in certain ways, but, but, you know, they're at their core, they, they are who they are, and to say, like, you know, if you're someone who's gotten technical fouls all season long and all of a sudden like well I'm not gonna get any more technical fouls like it, it doesn't really work that way <laughs> like, yeah. you could Especially say it in the press basketball exactly you could say it in the press conference but then you get into that that moment where like you were pulled on and you didn't get the call and like and all of a sudden fumes and like you 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 start spewing and it just happens so yeah, I, I especially in like a a six or seven game series because by like game four or five it's already chippy guys know each other they know what sets you're running they know what plays coming and and the clippers are going to know how to get under his skin and so it's coming and it's happening it's just a matter of if he can reframe himself and and i'm with you i don't think he can yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he'll be he'll be somebody who you know a couple of years he'll he'll. Uh, but look, every look, everybody's different. So you know, but everyone's different, man. 
Absolutely. Well, you ready to put a bow on this one? Let's do it. All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. All right, Otto, let's go ahead and put a bow on this one. As always, a special thanks to Law Murray for joining us on the show to not only talk some clips, but also for standing by his prediction. I appreciate that. If you want to give him a follow, give him a follow on Twitter. He's at Law Murray. That's L-A-W-M-U-2-R-S-A-Y. The NU. He does a great job covering the Clippers for the athletic. And as always, a special thanks to our producer. His name is Daniel Kramer and to our editor, Kristen Woolley. Also big ups to our king of content, our CCO and executive producer, Bruce Bernstein. Hey, if you have not checked out what's going on on Pure Hoops Media this week, what's keeping you from it? Here's our rundown of our shows. This week on the Mike Wise Show, Mike's guest is Brian Scalabrini of Sirius XM NBA Radio and NBC Sports Boston. The White Mama gives his view of the MVP race and, of course, whether or not his beloved Celtics can make hay in the NBA playoffs. Full Court with Fisher and Kay has plenty of great college hoops talk each and every week. Thursdays is Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt and King McClure. And of course, as always, we round things out with the Pure Hoops podcast each and every Friday with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. And of course, Otto and I are back next Tuesday with another great rendition of Catch and Shoot 2.0. And our big hope this uh, year is that everybody on the planet gets the COVID vaccine uh, so we can finally put this pandemic to an end. But as you know, we are not there yet. So protect yourself and others by wearing a mask, washing your hands, and keeping your distance from others. Please don't forget the medical professionals and the other frontline workers who are doing their job to keep us all safe. So for my partner, Aaron Berlin, I'm Otto Strong. See you next week. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.